0: Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the day that you have blessed us with, for a day that we can join together as family and friends to celebrate the joy that came into this world as a tiny baby boy. Father, I pray we feel your presence this morning, that you will move in this place. but Father, not just in this place, but wherever Christ followers have joined across this world to celebrate you today. May you move in and through so that lives are touched, lives are changed, so that we're different when we leave than when we came in. It's in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Glad to see you. I want to welcome you to Capital City. If this is your first time worshiping with us, whether in person or online, we're glad that you've chosen to jump on with us today and be a part of our uh, worship. Again, if you're on Facebook Live or maybe at our website, we're glad that you're uh, choosing to join with us online today. Again, great just to have everybody with us. This past week, I posted this question on my Facebook page. If you had to describe Christmas in one word, what would it be? Some of the responses you can see up there. Here's some of the lists that I got. I got the word Jesus, hope, love, family, peace, Savior, Christ, freedom, beach. Never thought of that one before. The credit card bill, that's more than one word, but I won't give Chris Arnold a hard time for that one. Stressed, rescued. And you know, many of those words we find in the songs that we sing or that we hear sung at this time of the year. Have you ever noticed that many of the songs that we sing have the word joy in them? Some you heard a little bit earlier. There's joy to the world, the Lord has come. There's, oh come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. There's shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strange prolong? Good Christian men, rejoice. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. And then a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. I wonder how many of us feel joyful this morning. I mean, it's easy to feel joy and and be joyful when we come to church and sing these songs, isn't it? William Willimon, the former dean of the chapel at Duke University, says that joy can be a challenge to the church. I mean, some days it can be tough finding joy and having joy in the church at this time of the year, and especially this year, right? I mean, let's be honest, 2020 for the most part has stunk. Our world can't wait for the next 18 days to go by in hopes that 2021 is going to be a better year. This year, our our contact with others has been limited. Hugs and, and handshakes have been replaced with fist bumps and elbow touches. We're discouraged from going places. Kids are struggling with virtual learning. People are losing their jobs. Business owners are wondering, how much longer can I stay afloat? Loved ones have passed away. Even with Christmas less than two weeks away, the the quote-unquote most wonderful time of the year, (laughs) it's not always easy to feel joyful and be joyful, is it? I believe part of our problem is that we've got the wrong idea about joy. For you see, we tend to connect joy with happiness and think that joy depends on our circumstances. But the two do not always go hand in hand. In my opinion, happiness is an emotion that comes and goes based on a feeling that you're having for a, for a period of time. I mean, we're happy when our team wins. We're happy when we receive a gift we're we're happy when our kids do well in school or or perform perform well at their at their game or their dance recital or whatever it might be but joy isn't based on an emotion which comes and goes but instead a, a mindset you have to choose joy you have to choose to be joyful regardless of what is going on in you or around you Kay Warren, in her book, Choose Joy, writes these words. She says, if we're going to experience joy in this lifetime, there's only one possible way. We have to choose it. We will have to choose it in spite of unbelievable circumstances. We will have to choose it in the middle of a situation that seems too hard to bear. We will have to choose it even if our worst nightmare comes true. James, who was the brother of Jesus, shared these words with us in his book. that can be found in the New Testament. He said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Choose joy, is basically what he said. I don't know about you, but trials have never brought a lot of joy to my life. Do they, you? As we continue in our Christmas Unwrapped series this morning, I hope that we can get a glimpse of where our joy should come from. And not just at Christmas time, the most wonderful time of the year, but but all the year through. If you have your Bible or maybe you've got a a Bible app on your phone, I invite you to join me in the second chapter of the book of Luke that can be found there in the New Testament. We'll also have the words on the screen here in just a few moments. This is a book that was written by a guy who was a a well-known doctor in the early church. But now before we get to that, let me see, have you noticed the craze that is taking place in our country the past five to ten years with these baby reveal events? You know, mom and dad usually don't know what they're going to have, what the child's gender is going to be, until they open this box and out out floats all of these colored balloons of pink or or blue based on what they're having, or or they bust a piñata and out falls all of these colored toys or or pieces of candy that that tell them what they're going to have, or they shoot something that then explodes into a to a color of blue or pink, and they find out what they're going to have. Check out this video. This is one of my favorite gender reveal videos that I found on social media a few weeks ago. If you couldn't tell, he was painted pink because they're going to have a little girl. I'm hoping that Ashley will let me do that when we find out we're going to have a grandchild. I doubt it will happen, and I would say Savannah and Olivia would not be very happy if I were to choose to do something like that. Maybe you can pull that off, Richardson, one of these Sundays. I mean, one of these years. You know, over the past few years, these things have gotten to be pretty creative with people that are coming up with it, but I don't think anything compares to the baby reveal that took place here in Luke chapter 2. Let's look at it this morning. Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now that right there, folks, is one heck of a baby reveal, isn't it? I mean, I don't care what you come up with from, this, from that day forward. You're not going to top an angel showing up to say, a baby's coming. And Luke writes, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, wouldn't you have been? <laughs> I know I I know. I would have been. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. You ever wondered what the shepherd's response was when, when they heard that statement? Do not be afraid. Oh, okay, it's just an angel. No big deal. As they get up off the ground and dust themselves off. And then the angel shares this news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I'm guessing these poor fellows, these shepherds, had had no clue what that angel was talking about when he made that announcement. But then I wonder if when they heard the news, that if it triggered something that maybe they had remembered learning about when they were little boys. Check out the good news that the angel gave to the shepherds. And I pulled this verse from the King James Version. Here the angel says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I think there's some great joy that can be found in just that one verse that I'd like for us to unwrap in our time together this morning. We're going to look at four different three-word phrases from this verse. Here are the first three words that I want us to look at. Born this day. Two things I want you to notice concerning this event. First is that there were no miracles associated with the physical birth of Jesus Christ. The miracle actually happened nine months prior to his birth when God sent the angel to Mary and told her that she was going to have a baby. That right there was an enormous miracle which has never been repeated in the history of the world. Now I'm guessing that Mary's pregnancy was similar to the majority of pregnancies that take place in our world leading up to that night in Bethlehem when she gave birth to her baby that she would name Jesus. Now Luke doesn't give us a lot of info but we can assume that the delivery itself was probably normal in every way or, or at least as normal as any birth could be under such trying circumstances i'm sure there was probably some lamaze breathing that took place you know that anybody remember that i'm sure there was some some twisting and, and turning you know there as, as joseph tried to help mary get comfortable in that makeshift bed and, I'm sure Joseph's name was thrown about in some very unflattering ways throughout that process. Par for the course, right, dads? Did you know that there were 3.75 million babies born in the United States last year? Some were born in cars on the way to the hospital. Some were born at their homes because that's what mom and dad wanted. Some were born in stores or restaurants and some in an ambulance as they tried to get to the hospital normal births that happen in extraordinary circumstances and the birth of jesus falls into that category a true event that took place in a somewhat normal way but in a very abnormal situation and it's also important to note that phrase born this day means that this birth really happened you know last week we looked at real people who lived and died that were connected to jesus that's found in matthew's book and today luke Gives us a real event that took place that could not be disputed. Now, we don't know the exact date of this birth. I mean, I saw reference to Jesus' birth being connected to days in March, days in April. Heck, September the 11th was even listed as one of the days that Jesus was born. But most scholars will tell you it probably was not December 25th. The actual day isn't really that important. What's most important? is that this day is not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. It's not a made-up story. This is an event that the church has always professed its belief in. If this birth didn't take place, then why did Herod, who was a real person, call for the killing of all the boys under the age of two upon hearing of this birth? Herod was a ruthless ruler who did everything he could to eliminate those who might threaten his throne. And that's what concerned him when he heard about this newborn king. So born this day points to an actual event that took place and that's recorded in history by multiple sources. Here's our next set of three words. City of David this city that the angel is referring to is the town of Bethlehem, although some searches on the internet take you to the city of Jerusalem. Modern-day Bethlehem is a tourist hotspot for Christians who want to travel and visit the Holy Land. Tourism is actually now the major industry that takes place in Bethlehem, and there are two popular sites that most people want to visit when they go there. There's the holy site of Rachel's tomb. She was the wife of Jacob, we mentioned last week in Jesus' family line. And and she had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. You might have heard of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Stories about him, her son. And then there's the Church of the Holy Nativity. The church was commissioned by Constantine the Great after his mother visited there. It's considered to be the actual birthplace of Christ. As you can imagine, visiting the town today would probably be drastically different from the town that Joseph and Mary came to when jesus was born in 1867 phillips brooks former bishop of massachusetts visited the holy land during the christmas season upon his return he wrote the words to a song which the following year was set to music by his choir director at his church for their christmas sunday school service it's a carol that we still sing today words you're familiar with i'm sure O little town of bethlehem how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep The silent stars go by. In 1867, I'm sure Bethlehem was drastically different from the day it was that Jesus was born and probably even more so today than it was in 1867. Bethlehem is called the city of David because this is where David, King David, remember that name from our genealogy last week? This is where David grew up. My guess is that David probably took care of his father's sheep out in the fields outside the city of Bethlehem, just as these shepherds were doing on the night that the angel appeared to them. 700 years before this night, God had spoken through the prophet Micah and declared that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. I shared this verse last week, but let me do so again this morning, if you will. Micah chapter five, verse two, the prophet wrote, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. You notice that phrase, though you are small among the clans of Judah? That prophecy came from God in 700 B.C. when when Bethlehem was a tiny, know-nothing village. Bethlehem would have never been on the top ten list of hot spots to visit in Israel. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem was still off the beaten path. But all the Jews knew that the Messiah would be born there. And I wonder if when the shepherds heard the angel make that announcement, that they began to put two and two together. For they had been taught about his coming since they were little boys. How do we know about this? Matthew gives us an account of this story in chapter 2 of his book when he tells us that when the Magi came to Herod in Jerusalem, they asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him, they said. Where is the king of the Jews? Where has he been born? Matthew tells us that Herod called the religious leaders together, the the Jewish religious leaders, that is, and, and he asked them the same question. He says, where has the king of the Jews been born? They told him that it was supposed to happen in Bethlehem because that's what the prophet had had written about 700 years before. And that's what I mean by by the fact that all the Jews knew. God had already told them exactly where the Christ child would be born. There was no secret about it at all. But isn't it interesting that even though the Magi have suddenly shown up in Israel, excuse me, in Jerusalem, and even though the, the Jewish religious guys knew where the baby was to be born, and even though Bethlehem was just a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, that as far as we know, not a single one of them cared enough to investigate for themselves. They provide Herod the answer that he's looking for, and then that's it. They were totally indifferent to the birth of the Messiah. Can you believe that? That the ones who had been waiting for his arrival missed the most important event In all of the world. But check out how the shepherds respond. They start putting two and two together. When the shepherds heard the good news that the Messiah had been born, they responded by saying, let's go straight to Bethlehem. The Jewish leaders knew the truth. They had studied it. They had taught about it. They had anxiously awaited the arrival. But they did nothing when the Magi shared the news. The shepherds, they weren't as smart They hadn't spent as much time studying it. But what they had been taught, they believed. And they took off immediately to Bethlehem. So when we read City of David, we should remember that Jesus was born in fulfillment of a prophecy made 700 years earlier. And it also should remind us that knowledge, knowledge knowledge alone is never enough to save us. It's not what you know. But it's what you do with what you know that makes the difference because the gospel is not just good advice it is good news and it is something that must be believed in and responded to so we know what happened born this day and we know where it happened the city of david and then the angel gives us three words to describe who was born savior christ lord Daryl Bach, in his commentary on Luke, says that the titles the angel uses for the, for the newborn child are significant. Savior, he says, reflects the call of Jesus to deliver his people, as Mary and Zachariah's hymns had declared in the first chapter of Luke's book. The world at that time desperately needed a savior. And our world desperately needs a savior. As I shared last week, we, we didn't need another teacher. We hadn't listened to all the ones who had come before him. And what they and what we needed, we got that day when Jesus was born. As the angel stated, Give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Knowing that we had someone who was willing to take our place and save us should bring us joy. Bach then wrote, Christ is the Greek term for the Hebrew version, anointed one, and is indicative of his role as the promised Messiah. His coming had been told about for centuries. The Jews had had anxiously awaited his arrival. Their only problem, he didn't come like they thought he would, and he didn't do what they thought he would do or what they thought he should do. And even though he didn't do what they wanted, and he doesn't do what we want, he is still the Christ, the Messiah. He is still the Messiah, the anointed one that we needed. And we can find joy in knowing that he is our Christ, the promised Messiah. Bach again writes, Lord is used to explain the nature of Jesus' authority and lordship, as well as the extent of the exercise of his power in overcoming sin and the forces of evil you know of the three words used to describe this great news of joy this is probably the most difficult one for us to accept for those who believe we know that we have need of a savior of a messiah but willingly submitting to him as Lord that's hard to do because in submitting we give up control We give up power. But you see, this baby came to be the Lord of heaven and earth. And as Christ followers, we're called to make him the Lord of our lives every day. Not not just on days when we've screwed up and we need him, but every day we must surrender our will to him. You know, it's, it's hard to comprehend, but when we do that, we can find that we have joy. Just like James said in his book, joy in every situation. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. He's the Lord, the one sent from God. That is why we can have joy. That's why we can have great joy. Because God loved us enough to send himself in his one and only son. That's why we can have joy, great joy at Christmas and all year through. Because of Emmanuel, God with us. So we know what happened born this day and we know where it happened the city of David and we know who was born Savior Christ Lord and now the final three words that bring this news of great joy to reality I want to go back to the first three words in verse 11 here they are for unto you do you remember who the first to hear this good news of great joy were It wasn't the chief priest in the synagogue. It wasn't the heads of state of Rome or or some of the other governing powers in the world at that time. Instead, the angel shares the good news with a bunch of shepherds. Bach, again, in his commentary says, there are no more normal Joes in ancient culture than shepherds. Listen to how Doug Goins describes the shepherds in his message, The Journey of Joy. He says, the Judean shepherds were the lowest of the low socially. Common men, a despised class with a bad reputation. Shepherds were known as thieves because they were nomadic. And as they moved their sheep around the country, sometimes they got confused about what was mine and what was thine. They were all tarred with the same brush, he says, untrustworthy, dishonest. They were not allowed to, to give testimony in the Jewish court of law. Their work made it impossible for them to observe the Jewish ceremonial laws and the temple rituals. So they were considered religiously unclean and unacceptable. It's pretty amazing to think, he writes, that this heavily invasion, this unbelievable baby gender reveal event came to such social outcasts. Although the shepherds were the first to hear the good news, it wasn't only for those who were like them. The angel said, I have good news of great joy. For who? For all people. Not just a few. Not not just some. Not if you're rich or if you're poor. Not if you're smart and educated and have a degree. Not if you're black or brown or white. I have good news for all people. Do you realize that you and I, are a part of the four unto you although it was written almost 2,000 years ago this announcement of good news of a savior of a Christ of a Lord is for you and me as well regardless of where we've been regardless of what we've done regardless of where we are right now you and I are the you that this announcement was made for you believe that Christmas is going to be here in 12 days. I hope you're going to get together with your family and share gifts with one another. I'm sure some of your kids are counting down the days until Christmas gets here. I, I heard someone proclaim at my house earlier this week that they couldn't believe that their stocking didn't have some stuff in it already. <laughs> she, then went on, she then went on to say, Well, you know I'm going to look when I see something's in there, don't you? I think she's even been known to secretly unwrap her presents when no one's home (laughs) so that she knows what she's going to get on Christmas Day. When you receive your gifts this Christmas, what will you do? Will you just leave them laying around, admiring the beautiful wrapping that someone did for you? What use is a gift that's never opened? 2,000 years ago, God sent all the people God sent all the people the greatest gift. No gift that we could ever hope to receive from under a tree can compare to that gift. Jesus is God's Christmas gift to you and to me. But folks, we will never experience joy. We will never experience great joy until we personally receive God's gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. Good news that must be responded to. And one way or the other, we will respond. Do you want joy? Do you want great joy in your life? It can be had, but you have to choose. And you can only do that when you receive the gift that God sent many, many years ago. Fear not, the angel said. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. The Lord has come.